Why, hello there, and welcome to the Psych Patient Podcast, Episode 3. This is a podcast for people out there struggling with their mental health and anyone else who wants to learn about the reality of living this crazy busy life while battling mental illness. I want this to be a support system and a community for all of us out there battling our brains for our lives. I want it to be a place to learn from each other's stories and a place to share quotes and books and music and coping skills that have helped others with their mental health fight. So thank you for tuning in. And on today's episode, I have with me my neighbor's sister, Donna. Welcome to the podcast, Donna. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on this little podcast adventure. Thanks for having me. Um, first, should we tell the fine people listening what a neighbor sister is? Um, yes. <laughs> Clarification might be good. So we were neighbors and became more like sisters, hence neighbor sister. I moved to Utah about six years ago and... When I moved to the house that we built, there was like no other things, period, in the area, but you had a house right across the street and we yeah. faced each other and I went and forced my way into your life. <laughs> <laughs> I let you force your way in because if I didn't want you there, you wouldn't be. <laughs> I knocked on the door and you actually opened. So yes, I mean, it's that was a, a miracle. Good sign, right? It's a miracle I answered the door. Um... And we were both like in pretty decent spaces mm-hmm. at that time. And then shit kind of hit the fan for both of us. Yes, <laughs> it did. We went to Waco together because we both love Chip and Joe. Yep. Fixer Upper. That's when so our neighbor fun. sister bond really started, I think. Yes. I mean, we were friends before that, but there was definitely like a deep connection that was yeah. formed there. For sure. That was the best. We'll go back. We'll go back someday. Yeah. <laughs> we have someday. to. Okay, before we get started, because I'm I'm excited for Donna to share her story because I think everyone's going to be able to learn a lot from it. But before we get started on that, let's do our mood rating. So from zero to ten, zero being the worst, ten being the absolute best. So I would say like an eight. I usually feel pretty great when I'm with you. You same always. <laughs> I mean, just... when I'm with you, <laughs> <laughs> do you feel pretty great when you're with yourself? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> clearly that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Clearly. Or there wouldn't be this false. <laughs> um, yeah, doing pretty good. I'm, what would you say is a word that could describe your mood? Um, anxiously excited. Awesome. It's two words. It's, uh, it counts. Okay. We can make it one word. Anxiously excited. Yeah. I've, hyphenated. I figured out that no one can do it in one word. It's like impossible, <laughs> but it's worth a try. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's excitement in doing this. It's mm-hmm. like, oh wow. And there's also the thought of like, who's going to be listening to this? Yes. And it's anxiety inducing. Totally. To share and to open up on For all sure. the things. Um, I guess I'll do my mood rating too. Um, I'd say I'm a seven 
And I feel like I'm pretty much, seven is kind of like my baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, always anxious, but I'm feeling good this morning and I am just happy to be hanging out. Yeah. Mood rating word, I guess, is just, let's say happy. That's a good word. Right? I love it. Okay. Well, Donna, do you want to kind of give us a rundown of your mental health history and your mental health fight, different things that have worked for you as you've been healing from all the craziness that has happened in your life? Yeah. All the craziness. So there's really four stages to my mental health journey. And for the sake of not making this a four-parter, I will briefly skim over the first three. Um, I have been dealing with mental illness the majority of my life. I have a mom who is an addict and there's generational trauma and just poor coping skills that led to continued trauma and continued poor coping skills. I was sexually abused as a child for years and physically abused, emotionally abused, like just all the things. And then my dad passed away when I was 12 years old, right before I turned 13. And he was like my safe space. Yes. So that was really like extra traumatic on top Mm -hmm. of all the other traumas, just because it was my safe space being taken away. And, and he died in your arms, which I feel like is yeah in and of itself, just incredibly traumatic. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So he did die in my arms and that was kind of like a life changer for me. Mm-hmm. I ended up on antidepressants and then, and still I was a teen at this time. Yeah. So Just things were not going well, obviously. I had done some self-harm and then ended up having a pretty serious suicide attempt where I was in the ER and then in the hospital for recovery for a little while. And from there was transferred to a psych ward. Mm -hmm. And like, how surreal is that? So crazy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I was 5150. I was there for around two weeks. And, and if you don't know what a 5150 is, they made me stay. Yeah. It's an involuntary stay at the psych ward. (laughs) Yeah. It was not optional. And so, yeah, there was all of that. And then I got out and was like, oh, I'm healed now. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you break a leg, you go to the doctor, Mm -hmm. they fix you, you leave, you're healed. Mm -hmm. It's not the same for mental illness. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. (laughs) So I wasn't healed. Then I at 17 got pregnant. And so began my second stage, which is my early motherhood years. And I really just was dealing with disassociation. It allowed me to keep going and functioning while my brain was in some sort of survival mode. But I have totally lost memories from that time. For instance, my oldest, my daughter, who's um, one of my favorite people. I love <laughs> all my kids. Best. She lives down the street. We're super close. And she recently asked me if I remember something about the turtles that my parents, her grandparents had in their house. 
And I'm like, no, they never had turtles. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, mom, they for sure had turtles. So there's just random things that I'm like, I was in a barely surviving state. Yeah. So it was really like, okay, we ate good. We have a roof over our head. Good. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of like thriving. No room on. for turtles to be stored no. in your memory. <laughs> no space for that in my brain. Um, I was a single mom. I was a divorced mom of two. Mm-hmm. So single mom with two kids by the time I was 22 years old. So, you know, that was hard. And just, again, that could be like its own its episode. Own thing. Yeah. A whole thing. So we'll just move on from there. My third stage really began kind of later in my parenting career. Um, I had my third child, Oliver, and shortly after, when he was about two, I became a single parent again. Best co-parenting situation ever, but still not an ideal situation, right? Like right. single mom, three kids, mm-hmm. living in San Francisco, like not cheap. Yeah. And was just a lot going on. So I was older but barely wiser and had suppressed mental illness for so many years at this point. And when I say suppressed, like maybe to the outside world, but very much not suppressed within my home. So my older children were exposed to someone who was very bitter and very unhealthy Mm. with herself and the life that was going on around her. And you did the best you could in those situations. I did. I did the best I could, but that doesn't mean it was very good. Yeah. So I started dating Gerald, who is my now husband. And I kept it together for the most part. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was at the top of my game professionally. We moved to Utah, like I said, about six years ago. Found my neighbor's sister. Hell yeah. And so begins stage four. Mm -hmm. My husband and I, not yet married at the time, but we moved to Utah together. Between us, we had five children. He has two from his first marriage. And I have my three. I got pregnant with Jacob after several miscarriages and we were like, okay, this is finally it. Here we Mm -hmm. go. I like started showing and was really pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like it was a thing. I got very sick. So yeah, like very, very sick. Yeah. I, I mean, people are sick when they're pregnant. Right. But but this was a whole other level of sickness. I lived on IVs and feeding tubes and it was a lot to deal with. Yeah. You were like deathbed ill. Yeah. It felt like you were at death's door. Yeah. It did to me as well. (laughs) To to me on the outside and to you on the inside. It very much did. So I gave birth to Jacob in December of 2019 and he was stillborn and I suffered from severe postpartum depression afterwards. Yeah. And it's like so traumatic that, that he was stillborn. Yeah. After so many miscarriages, Mm -hmm. but also just giving birth to a stillborn child and having to recover from giving birth. And you also had just had your gallbladder out. Yeah. So I had emergency surgery while I was pregnant with him and it, there was just so many just things. A like, lot of things. It was really yeah. hard on the outside to be watching and not knowing how to help. 
it was hard on the inside to be experiencing. You know, yeah, I can't. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, we could make. We could go on about that forever, guys. Yeah. But that brought back all of that mental illness that mm. I had, you know, quote unquote, been kind of keeping at bay. It kind of broke you open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so, for the first time since my major suicide attempt and my time in the psych ward, I was self-harming. I was suicidal. I was experiencing suicidal ideation. It was like full-blown mental illness right Mm -hmm. back in my face. And it was almost like everything I'd been suppressing exploded all at once. Mm -hmm. So the problem was that I couldn't see it. You would think like she's experienced this before, so she can see when it's coming back. Yeah. But it's almost the complete opposite. Like I very much convinced myself that like I, I was good. Yeah. Like I got this. Yeah. And I did not. That yeah. It's not good. <laughs> I did not have it. <laughs> and yeah, totally full blown living in all the glory of all the mental illness goodness. Mm-hmm. And, um, COVID hit. Good old COVID. Yes. Good old COVID. So I was, and I feel bad saying this almost cause I'm one of the lucky few that really Like I know COVID impacted people in such a devastating way. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of people experienced mental health issues that they had never experienced prior to COVID. Mm -hmm. And so like, luckily for me, COVID was a time of healing. Mm -hmm. I was able to really reset and just focus on me because I didn't have much else to do. Yeah. You were basically forced Mm -hmm. to heal. Yeah. I was forced to look at what was going on in the, mm-hmm. like right in the face. And so I had placed blame on my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously not rationally. Right. But <laughs> and, when you're in pain, yeah, what you're searching for is a place to put the blame mm-hmm. for yeah. the problems. So you can put the pain somewhere. Yeah. Like you can focus that pain on something. Mm-hmm. And so my husband's a fire medic. And, he, and a total badass. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Definitely a badass. He saves people's lives like every day mm-hmm. and could not save our son. And that was really hard for me to wrap my head around and to kind of reconcile. But he had drama too. Like, yeah. So I feel like what woke me up is my realization that... He had also held his dead son. Mm-hmm. Like he had major trauma from the experience mm-hmm. and for months prior had been medically taking care of his very ill wife. Yeah. So he had trauma. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that it, it was like, get your shit together, Donna, because he's going through something too. And like, let's figure out a way to go through it together yeah. and heal together. For sure. I did not see that as a possibility at the time. Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, right. Um, I did not see how we could make it through, but we did. You did. You guys have been working so hard. Yes. I had to figure out how to live with mental illness instead of trying to pretend I didn't have it. And that was me relearning a lot of things because it had been 25 years since I had been in the psych ward. It had been 25 years since I was on any medication. Yeah. And... For about 25 years, I was just pretending Mm -hmm. to be fine instead of actually healing. And Jacob made it so that you no longer even could pretend. 
going through that trauma. It was like, there's no pretending. There was none. It was like, here it all comes all Mm -hmm. at once. And there was a point where I had driven to a cliff and my husband somehow found me Mm -hmm. and we just realized like, okay, we have to do something. I think that was the first time he realized how sick I was. Yeah. I mean, how bad it had gotten. Yeah. Yeah. And so over the course of my life, I've been diagnosed with a chemical imbalance, clinical depression, OCD. And then later in life, in my thirties, I was diagnosed with anxiety, kind of a mystery as to how that one was missed. <laughs> yeah, I know. Feels quite prevalent. <laughs> yes. um, but, um, and then obviously after Jacob, it was the postpartum depression. And that's when I was diagnosed with complex PTSD. Mm-hmm. And that felt so real to me because for the first time it was like somebody, not just a friend mm-hmm. or someone that I knew, but like a professional yeah. saying, the reason that this is all going on is because you have experienced major trauma mm-hmm. over and over in different situations your entire life. Yeah. And your brain like does not yeah. want you to experience anything. So it's shutting down. Yeah. Like it was just like, wow, really? Okay. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. So like you were saying at the beginning of the episode, like we could, this could, your life could easily be like a 10 parter. Like you've <laughs> been through so much and so much that we haven't even addressed. And so it's like, yeah, your brain was like, oh, what the fuck? Can we just be done now? Right. I'm done. Knock yeah. it off. And for the record, um, one day, uh, Jenna is going to author my biography. Hell yeah. <laughs> I always say that I want to like have her write my story down because. I never actually would do it, but if you know Jeanette, and you probably do if you're listening at this point, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you know Jeanette, you know that she is like a wizard with words. Oh, so. that's so nice. I'll <laughs> you take are. it. Yeah, take it. I would love it. to write. So one day, guys, be looking yeah, for that. This is this is in our future. We are <laughs> yeah. manifesting it now. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, really there are so many different stages of life, right? Mm -hmm. So people can have ebbs and flows. And part of me always just thought, well, that part was hard. So that's why I felt that way. But there's a difference between hard things and recovering and then major trauma that then just exacerbates your mental illness. Totally. Like not the same. Yeah. And if you don't know, you just don't know, right? So I'm allergic to kiwis and until I was in my late twenties. I did not know that. I just would eat them and my throat would swell and my <laughs> mouth would itch. And it was like this big weird thing that would happen after kiwis, kiwis. are a real bitch to eat. Yeah, but they're so good. So it's <laughs> worth it. And I was talking to a friend about that and she's like, uh, no, hun, that's called an allergic reaction. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So I just always thought that everyone experienced that. Yeah. That's, you know, you eat kiwis and that's what happens mm. or you touch something hot and your hand gets burned. Like, mm-hmm. duh. Yeah. And so I just always thought everybody's brain worked like mine yeah. until I realized it didn't. And so... That these things are not what everyone is experiencing. Right. Yeah. And there is kind of a beauty in that to know mm-hmm. that your brain is super unique. Mm-hmm. But there's also kind of like 
okay, not me, please. <laughs> yeah. Like, can we be done now? <laughs> can I trade? <laughs> yeah. Can I not have this brain? That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because so we, the people that experience mental illness, um, are taught that we should be practicing our skills that we learn, not when we're in crisis. Mm-hmm. So that when we're in crisis, they hopefully, like they become second nature, mm-hmm. right? But how can you practice those skills when you're just a basket case and like barely surviving? Yeah. So I had some really unhealthy skills, like mm-hmm. eating a bowl of Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually sounds amazing. It's so you take a bowl, you fill it with milk and grab a handful of Oreos, throw them in the milk, let them get all soggy and then eat them with a spoon. And it's literally the most decadent ever. Why have I never thought to do that? Because everyone add this to your everyone add this to your coping skills toolbox. Um no, I mean Oreos are just so good. Yeah. Like they really are. Uh no, but like serious coping skills that I've since learned in my like true healing because I had coping skills that were very unhealthy, like Mm. I said. And now I have coping skills that have helped me thrive Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm in a really good place. And a lot of that is because I had to like open up with myself about who I really am. Yeah. So after I had Jacob, I went on a retreat that was amazing. And, and this was like, it was a women's retreat. Yeah. So after I had Jacob, I went on a women's retreat that was specifically for women who had lost children, either Mm -hmm. stillborn or in like the early years of life. Mm -hmm. And wow. I mean, amazing experience. Mm -hmm. I was introduced to chanting and sound baths, which totally blew my mind. Mm -hmm. Sound baths. If you have not gone to one, please do like ASAP. Yeah, for real. Completely like definitely something that you need to have in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what a sound bath is, Google it, Google that shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it sounds like. You're bathing yourself in sound. Yeah. You're fully clothed. Oh yeah. You- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least all the ones I've been to, everyone's I mean, been fully clothed. I mean, there might clothed. be nudist ones. Yeah, there know. might be. Totally. There very well could be. Yeah. Don't, I don't know. <laughs> There's crystals. There's crystal singing bowls. There's Mm -hmm. sometimes drums. It's just, it's incredibly, it can be incredibly intense, but it's incredibly healing. Yeah. So did my first sound bath there and that became a favorite tool of mine. Mm -hmm. Love sound bath so much. And, um, the chanting, I was like, what are we going to do? We're all going to get in a circle and start yelling. That (laughs) sounds weird. Like, where am I? Are we joining a cult? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the whole chanting experience was kind of wild, but, um, so you do it over and over, at least in the way that we did it. And it's the same. It's like a repetitive thing. And you're saying like, you're saying specific words, saying specific, is it like in English? Is it in a different language? There's both. Okay. But you can, so the, I have this one that I love like so, so much. And it's the one that we did there and it is not in English, but it's called mother. The fact that it's called mother is very fitting for that. Right. Yeah. And it's by Syl Carson, at least the version that I have. I don't mm-hmm. know if there's another version, but so we learned that chant and the, fr- at first you're like, what's she saying? Like, what are these words? 
But then as it keeps going, you're just like screaming it almost. And it is such a release. Oh my gosh. Like there's so much emotion that leaves your body mm-hmm. that you're like, where was all of that stored? Yeah. You know? And Whoa. so, yeah, that just gave me the chills. Like, love it so much. And it's like a three and a half minute chant. Wow. So, and we did it a couple times, mm-hmm. like over and over and in a dimly lit room, like around a table mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's all these women that have experienced similar losses, but with totally different stories at the yeah. same time. And you're all just in like such a vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. And so it was just amazing. It was really beautiful. Did you guys all just bawl your eyes out doing it? Yeah. Just like, I can't even imagine. And it's literally like a physical release. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, what is, like you feel lighter after. Mm -hmm. Anyways, if you have not chanted and you've ever thought that it sounds kind of wild, it is. Especially (laughs) at first, you're like, what is this? But please give it a try. I I need to. I I promise that you will not experience many other things like it. (laughs) It is just like a sound bath, right? Like it's its own thing. Mm Um, well, and it kind of makes sense because it's like, especially if it's in a group setting, mm-hmm. it's like this collective energy of yes. people who are all mm-hmm. battling something right. and just letting it all out. Yeah. So I can imagine why everyone would be bawling and from the outside looking in, it would be like, what the fuck is going on in there? Right. <laughs> but Quite when literally. you're in it, when you're part of it, mm-hmm. yeah, something completely different. Yeah. And so I since bought the track and I chant by myself. I love that. Um, I also take meds. <laughs> shout out to meds. Yes. <laughs> um, shout out for sure to meds. Yeah. <laughs> and... For a long time, so last time I took meds, 25 years ago, mm-hmm. it was very, I mean, things were very still like taboo mm-hmm. in the mental illness world, yeah. right? And they still are, unfortunately, to some degree. But 25 years ago, it was like, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? And so I was so embarrassed. Like, as a child, I was just Yeah, like, well, you were so oh, young. Yeah. And right. Even now, nobody gets it. And I didn't know anyone else that, at least openly... Struggled yeah. with mental illness mm-hmm. or was on medication until I was in a psych ward. And I'm like, oh, all these other people do. Yeah. But I had great friends. Like I had a friend, Brian, who his parents drove him out to visit me at the psych ward. And it's we would so write each other amazing. letters. And I mean, as like a 15 year old boy. Yeah. So he was just like, here, I'm a kind person. Mm-hmm. Like I did have great friends, but it just was not enough for me to heal myself. Well, and, and it's. One thing I think we've both learned with our different mental health, mental illness battles is that it's incredibly isolating. Mm -hmm. And so even if you do have fantastic friends and a wonderful support system, it still very much feels like you're alone in a lot of ways. Totally. Because no one, no one can understand your experience. Right. Because unless they've had it, you know? And even sometimes when they've had it, Mm -hmm. they can't, right? So, like, for instance, I absolutely adore you. And in the times where I've, quote unquote, had to walk you off of a ledge, right? Yeah. I'm like, why does she not get that she is the most freaking incredible human? Like, I just... Like, I want to shake it into you. Yeah. You know? yeah. But then I say that, but I'm like, I could say the same thing to myself, right? Yeah. We can show up for each other, showing up 
um, for ourselves is a lot harder. Yeah. And I was lucky in all of my stages and in all of my trauma to have different people who showed up for me for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I had an aunt and uncle who took me in after I left the psych ward so that I could like live in nature and be outside. Mm-hmm. And that's really healing. And I have a good friend, Christine, who I've been friends with pretty much my entire life. Um, she still lives in San Francisco, so we don't see each other as often, obviously, but she was there like through all of it. Mm-hmm. And Gerald yeah, is like my biggest supporter mm-hmm. and having Caitlin, my daughter lived just down the street mm-hmm. with her husband and just experiencing her healing process along with mine has totally. been wildly incredible. Yeah. That's really powerful. Um, because there's a difference between loving and accepting, right? Mm-hmm. So I love lots of people and people love me, but just being accepted is so, so powerful mm-hmm. and being able to say like, this is who I am. This is what's wrong with me. This is what's great about me and still being accepted for that very person. Yeah. No one in my life has done that in the way that my daughter and my husband have. Yeah. Um, and my son Oliver mm-hmm. is the youngest living. He is a joy. He is. <laughs> He's the best. He's amazing. And I thankfully started my healing journey just in time to be the mother that he needs me to be. Mm-hmm. And even though I couldn't do that for my older children, you know, can only yeah. take every day and just doing the best I can. Yeah. Okay. So one thing that's really helped me is writing a letter to my younger self. Mm-hmm. So when I started this healing process in 2020, my therapist at the time suggested that I write a letter to myself as a child, but not, I'm not me writing the letter to me. Mm-hmm. I'm just a person observing this child and what they're going through mm-hmm. and just letting them know like why they're okay and why they are valid and what's going on around them does not equal their worth. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not their fault. Yeah. And it was really, really healing to do that. That's amazing. So write yourself a letter. Yeah, I need to do that. Get on it, Nettie. All of you guys. (laughs) We're going to go write ourselves letters, okay? (laughs) It's happening. Um, And I really love, this is one of my favorite tools. It's the five senses. Mm -hmm. So when I first started doing it, my therapist was like, yeah, you're going to need to lay down while you do this mm-hmm. and like ground yourself because you are so out of it, <laughs> but you stand or lay down or sit in whatever, you know, situation you're in. So you acknowledge what you see, hear, taste, feel, and, and smell, smell yeah. in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it, it helps you be present in a way that kind of blocks out the mental instability in that time. Yeah. Cause if you're present, like mental illness has no place in the presence. Yeah. I agree. Current time. Yeah. And so if you are like, cause it's always like what's going to happen in the future. That's not mm-hmm. exactly right. Like, Oh my gosh, this is going to, Oh my gosh, it's going to be so horrible. Or like thinking or about what what's happened and mm-hmm. is this going to happen again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, I'm so depressed because of what's happened or where I'm at and like, what's led me to that. And instead, if you're like, here I am right now, like smelling the fresh air or looking at the trees or whatever it is you're doing, Mm -hmm. it's like, it just brings you here. Yeah. And it's just, your brain is so focused on 
the five senses that you can't feel like shit while you're doing that. Yeah, because you're focused on one thing instead of your brain throwing you for, like, this wild loop of a not-so-joyous joyride. Exactly. (laughs) And for the record, the five senses is one of my very favorites as well. I just uh, was... I was on a hike just a few days ago, and my new therapist had suggested a mindfulness hike. Mm -hmm. So doing different things throughout the hike that help keep me very present. So I was doing the five senses. I did, like, breathe in peace, breathe out chaos, you know, things like that, that. like, throughout the hike. Uh, But, yeah, five senses is one of my favorites as well. Yeah. It's a really good one. And it works with kids. Mm-hmm. So if you're a mom who has kids who struggle, yes. like they all do, yeah, then it really does work with kids. And yeah. sometimes it can be done without them even noticing mm-hmm. that you're like doing something yeah. with them. Um, Oliver has started to be like, I'm too pissed for that. Like, knock it off, mom. But <laughs> welcome to teenage years. Yeah. Right? So my son also likes the five senses one. And I think sometimes he does catch on and he's like, I don't want to. But when I can get him to do it, it it really is kind of remarkable how much it helps him calm down and kind of start regulating his emotions. And being able to regulate your emotions, acknowledge your emotions, and then regulate your emotions Mm -hmm. as a child will help him, will help all of us, will help anyone so much in the future. Mm -hmm. So, like, sorry for any of us who didn't learn that when we were young, but, like, now learn it. Now we can learn it. (laughs) Yeah. Now we can... Do the best we can with what we know. Know more and do better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. That was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing with all of us and just opening up and letting us into your crazy ride. (laughs) Your trauma train. Trauma train, for sure. (laughs) But seriously, though, it's just, uh, I hope people can learn from that because you've been through so much and... The fact that you're still fighting the good fight and the fact that you are uplifting other people and being such a huge support for people while you're still on your healing journey and when you've been through so much and you're, you show up for me all the time, consistently. So that's what neighbor sisters are for. Yeah. In case you were wondering neighbor sisters. So go get yourself one. (laughs) Yeah. We're not even neighbors anymore, but we're still neighbor sisters. We're neighbors at heart. (laughs) Right. Forever. Neighbors at heart. Forever. Something that I want people that come on the podcast to do is share, um, any of the following, any and all of the following, a quote that, resonates with them or that has helped them through or helped them accept something or whatnot. A song okay. that we can add to the psych patient playlist. I can't wait for a copy of that. Yeah. And then um, if the, also if there's like a book or anything like that that you feel you would want to shout out as well. One of my favorite quotes, and I'll say one of because there's like a bazillion. But- yeah. But I love this right now. So it's from an Instagram account that I follow called I Go to Therapy. Spoiler alert, I go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Your coping mechanisms were brilliant adaptations to your environment that helped you survive. And it's safe to let go of them now. 
So to me, that really resonates because I had, I don't know if they were brilliant, but they were adaptations Mm -hmm. and I figured out a way to physically survive my situations. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm like, okay, I can let go of those Mm -hmm. and find real true healing Mm -hmm. that will help me and my generations to come. Yes. Because generational trauma is a bitch. Is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I love that so much. And I love that it calls it brilliant because our brains really are incredible. Totally. Yeah. What about a song? Well, unfortunately, I'm not super cool. I don't have like some indie underground. <laughs> uh, it's Adele. Love her. And it's called Easy On Me. People love Adele for a reason. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, I could have easily picked so many lyrics from mm-hmm. almost any Taylor Swift song. Oh, yeah. But this entire song from beginning to end feels like she wrote it for me. Yeah. We were listening to it last night Mm -hmm. and both just like started bawling while we were listening to it. And it it really does feel like she just was in your brain writing this about your life and about, it's a really pretty song. It's beautiful. Yeah. So if you have not had a listen, head on over. (laughs) Head on over. (laughs) Adele. Sponsored by Adele. We wish. (laughs) Can you imagine? Are there any lyrics from the song that you want to quickly share with us? Well, I love the chorus. Mm -hmm. The chorus is, um, go easy on me, baby. I was still a child. Didn't get the chance to feel the world around me. I had no time to choose what I chose to do. So go easy on me. Oh my gosh. And gives me chills everywhere. And go easy on me, meaning like other people, please go easy on me, (laughs) but also myself, Mm -hmm. like me finally realizing, okay, it's okay. The things you did in the past, Mm -hmm. like that's, that doesn't have to be your present and your future. Yeah. So going along with that same kind of theme, there's also, um, another quote on that same Instagram page, which is I go to therapy, right? Yeah. Um, that I feel like. It's a, so it goes along with kind of what we've just been talking about. Yeah. Things your inner child might need to hear. You did the best you could with the resources and knowledge you had at the time. And I think that's perfect with the Adele song. Like that's a perfect. Totally. Yeah. Love that. Yes. Love it. Before we end, I have a quote, another Matt Haig quote, because I'm clearly his biggest fan (laughs) right now. Uh, another one from the comfort book that actually I shared with Donna yesterday and she was like, dude, that was one of the quotes that got me through COVID and got me through like my healing journey. And so, oh yeah. In November, 2020, she posted this very quote. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible. So let's read that one. So are you sponsored by Matt? (laughs) Adele and Matt. (laughs) If you're listening to this. If you're listening to this. If you're one of the 48 listeners. (laughs) Yes, if you're one of the, I think we're up to 50 now. Oh, woo woo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this quote says, you have survived everything you have been through and you will survive this too. Stay for the person you will become. You are more than a bad day 
or week or month or year or even decade. You are a future of multifarious possibility. You are another self at a point in future time, looking back in gratitude that this lost and former you held on. Stay. Mm. Gosh, damn. That gets me every time. So good. It's so good. So when I posted the quote that you just read, yeah, my response to it was, I love this. You are more, but that doesn't seem like enough right now. You are more than your trauma. Mm. You are more than the negative self-talk that plays in your mind. Mm-hmm. You are more, period. Like, I love that he says you're more than your bad day, mm-hmm. but like, you're more. Yeah. Period. Because there's so many, like your bad day, your bad year, your bad month, your bad trauma, your mm-hmm. bad experience, whatever it is, you are more mm-hmm. than that. And you're worthy to be here. Yes. And mm-hmm. you are needed here. You're needed. Every single one of us is needed and we all have something unique to offer. So totally. stay. Please. And in the name of psych patients everywhere. Amen. Amen. Amen.